In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. And welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 21. I'm not crying. You're crying. No, I'm not crying. You're crying. No, you are crying. You're the one that's I'm not crying. Cry- okay, we're both crying. <laughs> <laughs> so this week is all about the books that, you know, whether Ooh. we want it to happen or not, they make us cry. Yeah. They make us give, you know, some good tears. Good, good tear jerkers. You know, and sometimes you want that. And sometimes so, you need it. Sometimes you need it. Yeah. So, hey, if you're in need of a good cry, we've Stay got tuned. some things for you. <laughs> I'll do my best not to cry during this episode. <laughs> we won't cry during this episode. No, no, cry no. tears. I mean, we regularly <laughs> cry tears of joy yes, while recording. That's true. Yes. yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is very, very true. So speaking of mm-hmm. crying at things, would you say that you cry more at TV, movies, or books? I'm going to say TV because of the extended episode reach of things. You get to know characters very well. You feel very Uh, invested in characters. I'm thinking Veronica Mars. I'm thinking (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right, right. These are all my personal best friends. So when things happen to them, I get teary. You feel like it's happening to you? Yes. You are very empathetic with TV characters. Well, Certain, certain some of them. TV characters. Some of them are just asses. I don't want anything to do with. Right. I don't, no tears for you. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like it. That, I like it a you lot. You know what else I cry at very easily? Um, Star Wars trailers. The trailers <laughs> for the new Star Wars movies. <laughs> I hear the music. I see the. I see the scroll start happening. Just tears of joy. Okay, coming down my face. Excited. So during the Star Wars movie that comes from that trailer, yes. do you cry during the movie? For sure. Okay, okay. Yes. So it's not just specifically the trailer. <laughs> okay. It is both. Okay. And it's not even necessarily what I'm watching. It's what, you know, remembering me as a child and my oh, deep, yeah. deep love for these movies and watching them at least 100 times on VHS. Sure. Okay. So all of it just hey, comes out. Comes out sense. of my eyes, Aaron. It makes sense. Yeah. So, Aaron. Uh-huh. What was the first book or movie that you cried to that you can remember? I can specifically, and there might have been one before this, but I have a very vivid memory of when Free Willy came out, the first oh, movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I have a very specific memory of the lights coming up, and I'm still in the <gasps> chair, just can't get it together, sobbing. Wow. How old like, were you, do you think? Oh, gosh. It had to be grade school. Yeah. 
Because the first one, yeah. Because I remember then learning the theme song in my <laughs> piano lessons. And it's the only thing I still remember on the piano. Oh, my to goodness. To this day, I can play the Free Willy theme song. When you play the Free Willy song on the mm-hmm. piano, do you cry? I, I feel like it could tug there. It, it could, could get there. Yeah. Yeah. If you just kept going, if you really let yourself, yeah, you could get into that. Yeah, if I just let myself feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, now I, mean, I know where to go. Yeah. It if, was. If I really want to get a reaction out of you. Yeah, it's deep. It's deep. <laughs> see that, even see the picture, the poster, and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, we're in it. Okay. I don't even think I remember that movie. I'm sure I saw it, but yeah. I was a cold hearted young child, apparently. I yeah. I couldn't get it together in a weird way. I mean, like, <laughs> lights are up and you're still crying. Like, what happened to you during the movie? Like, Your parents are like, what? Why are you this yeah. upset? You don't have a whale. <laughs> we didn't send the whale to the farm upstate. Yeah, what happened? Why are yeah. you this upset? You weren't even this sad when grandma died. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I, though, I will be honest. Like, I am far more touched uh, by animal issues in movies and mm-hmm. books than any humans. Do whatever oh. you want to humans. Okay. But, you know, animals... Don't if there it. is a dog that dies or a cat, if you bring a cat into the mix, I may have to put the book down. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. I can understand that. Trigger. Mostly just out of, you know, I don't want Podcat to see me crying over another cat. She'll get jealous. You oh, know what I mean? gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then she'll make you t- cry to tears of exactly. pain. <laughs> just <laughs> pain. Just so much scratching. Exactly. So uh, that was kind of, I kind of answered this question because it was a movie theater, uh-huh. but what's the weirdest place you've ever had a good cry? The city bus in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> the time was around 2011. Okay. And it, it was after a breakup. Let's be oh, honest. Okay. I was having a time keeping things together. Okay. That day I figured, hey, I'm fine enough. I can go out to this craft show downtown. Oh, I don't really know why choice. I was interested in this. <laughs> I think I was just trying to get out of the apartment. Okay. okay. I went there and promptly on the city bus, I was like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> Then I got off the bus, walked through the craft show, still crying, got back on the bus. So this was a prolonged city exposure public crying Crying. event. To be fair, Mm -hmm. two things. One, doubt you were the only person crying in the craft fair. (laughs) (laughs) You could have been crying because you're going to a craft fair. You might not have thought this through all the way. This is a good point. This wasn't about the relationship. No. It was about going to the craft fair and my poor choices. Yes. Oh. Because I, the Amy that I know, <laughs> I feel like if I called and was like, hey, come check out this craft fair with me, you'd be like, uh, I'm going to go with no. I'll, Maybe because of that traumatic experience. Yeah. yeah. I'll meet you later yeah. for a drink, but no, we're not going to the craft fair. <laughs> so that's fair. Okay. Yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's mine. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, if you could cry, because sometimes crying is helpful. Yes, you feel yes. good afterwards. Mm-hmm. If you could cry at a certain time each day or during the week, mm-hmm. but then fully keep it together the rest of the time, mm-hmm. would you do it? 100%. Okay. What would. would be your designated time? Do you have one? <sighs> yeah. I feel like it, I, it needs to be kind of an alone time so I could – if I'm going to keep it together the rest of the time, I need to get it all out. For sure. So I'm you know, I'm going to say sometime when like no one else is home, mm-hmm. maybe like morning before I shower and like mm. fully get ready so then I can kind of like, like fresh start. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to go with like Wednesday. Because oh, you've okay. had some of the problems of the week, sure. but you're looking forward oh, and it yeah. just feels like a good time. But to have that skill to be able to not cry other times, I would take it in a heartbeat. Yes. Because I cry very easily. So, Do you have the thing, too, where a lot of times I cry not necessarily out of sadness, but out of frustration. Yes. And anger. Yes. And I just can't get that emotion out. So it yes. ends up being weeping. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I also feel like I have like an empathy overload sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I see something and it's not even sad. But I am touched by it because I remember something from my life that yes. relates to that. Or I think of my kids or something and then I, I cry. And mm-hmm. I mean, Mike makes fun of me all the time because <laughs> it'll be something totally normal that we're watching. You know, he's like, it's modern family. Why are you crying? Like, what's happening to you? Sometimes, though, no matter what you're going to watch, you, yeah, you're in yeah. that place where it needs mm-hmm. to happen. And yeah, yeah it's going to come out at a, you know, yeah. modern family yeah. episode. I cried at the end of Toy Story 4 when we took the Wow. Kids. Okay. <laughs> but – 
I've heard, I mean, to be fair, I've heard a lot of people cry at the Toy Story movies. Yeah. So. Yeah. This one in particular. Oh. I don't want to get into it because okay. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. I've only but... seen the first one, but Ooh. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, Pixar movies, they do it to you. They can get you. I remember sitting down at the, what was it, Up? Um, and like with the first five minutes, it's like, oh, I did not sign on for this. Yeah. I yeah. did not see this nope. coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would like that ability. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, like we said, our picks this week are all about, you know, when you need a good cry. Yes. And sometimes it helps knowing when you go into these picks, it might happen. Yeah. Maybe choosing it for that reason. Yes. So my first fiction pick is The Road by Cormac McCarthy. <gasps> from 2006 yeah did you read this okay yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. all right um little background there's been a catastrophe of epic proportions it's never stated exactly what it is but we're led to believe it's either nuclear or environmental or something um the sky is always gray it's cold there's a man and a boy who are dad and son and they are taking the road to somewhere south the goal is to survive and to find some place that will be safer hopefully warmer hopefully Um, Food is scarce. Resources are scarce. They push a shopping cart with all they have in it down the road. A lot of people have died. The ones that have been left have either been driven mad and desperate or turned into slavers, cannibals. You know, he got it all in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The man has a gun with a few few bullets left. Just a few. Yep, yep, yep. Saved for whenever things get really bad. (laughs) But he keeps going because the boy needs him. And the two of them travel on the road, finding situations that are both terrible and surprising in good and bad ways. Mm -hmm. So theme-wise, this is dark. Real dark. It's heavy, but it's also beautiful. And I think that's where the tears came for Mm -hmm. me, is Mm -hmm. that combination. Um, If you've never read anything by Cormac McCarthy, this is kind of his jam, that mix of real dark stuff, but that can also, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of empathy overload in some ways. Um, his other books are No Country for Old Men, Blood Meridian. They're all about that. Um, but like I said, what really gets me about this isn't necessarily the scary stuff or the dark stuff. But what makes me tear up is seeing when the boy is still a boy. You know, even in the midst of this terrible world, he's trying to like play with the little things that he finds as toys. And he's trying to talk to dad about what's good people, what's bad people, how are we still good, how can we stay good, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um by the end, I think I was a wreck for reasons both good and bad, you know, the way it ends. Um, and what gets me even more is knowing that McCarthy has talked in previous interviews about he had a son, or he he has a son, but he had the son at a fairly later stage in life. And by that point, when he had the son, suddenly he started feeling very vulnerable in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. of his love for mm-hmm. the son. So in some ways, he wrote this book as as a way of showing that, as a way of working that out, mm-hmm. that love for his son. Um, I don't know about you. There is a movie, and it has Viggo Mortensen, who's wonderful. Yes. The movie's great. I recommend the book. I it's, haven't seen uh, the movie, okay. so. Yeah. It's a, I think maybe the, the movie, it's, it focuses too much on the, the visuals and, okay. and some of the plot points and everything, whereas the book – you know, you really get into the man's head. Mm-hmm. You get into you, – you see the dynamic between the man and the boy. It's really affecting that way. And, you know, if you needed a good cry about humanity, this is going to do it for you. Yeah. You read it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I concur wholeheartedly. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, a trigger is often the children. I mean, there's yes. times I can't even read a book. Like if a child dies, or I, it's very difficult for yeah. me. That's a trigger. But uh, it, I would agree that the – I didn't see the movie on purpose because I felt like there was just no way to capture. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't figure that out. Mm-hmm. There's just some books that, that pull on that emotion so much that I don't know how visually you would make that happen. Yeah. It's, it's just something you almost have to feel when you're reading it and kind of taking it in in a quiet place yes. and not visually looking at something. Because I think when we visually see things, oftentimes we miss nuance because there's so much to look at. So. Yeah. And I think so much of the story is about what's going on in the man's head mm-hmm. and how he he loves his boy and how he's trying so hard to come to a way of taking care of his boy in this new scary world yeah and what he needs to do to be able to do that for sure it's tough tough. but it's really beautiful too like i said i mean even on a sentence level jesus there's so many times i would stop and just like okay well Mm -hmm. i'm done writing because you know (laughs) that was an amazing line can't do it better than this okay (laughs) 
is true. Yeah. <laughs> so get some tears out. All right. Well, yeah. my um, fiction pick this week is called uh, The Invention of Wings by oh. Sue Monk Kidd. Um, this is a historical novel. It was published in 2014. Um, it's the fictionalized account of the life of abolitionist uh, Sarah Grimke and her sister Nina and their family slave Hetty, who's also nicknamed Handful. So um, these are real people, but this is a very fictionalized account. I mean, you can tell that there are facts and things that are written in here and they're woven beautifully, but... Um, in the most part, really, she was fleshing out the emotional side of the story, which, as we know, often gets left out of history, you know, that type of thing. So it's set in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, it mainly follows Sarah, who at a very, very young age um, sees brutality to slaves on the farm where she lives with her family. And um, she's so affected by this that she develops a stutter. And has that for a, a large portion of her life because of witnessing this brutality. But that's so, in, you know, burned into her brain. And that was basically all it took for her to understand that's like something's not right. Wow. This, this deep emotion that I feel about this tells me that something's wrong. Even mm -hmm. though, you know, she's growing up in a family where that's to the point that at age 11, she's actually given mm -hmm. the slave, Hetty, oh. who's only 10. I mean, they're not, you know, that much different in age, but they end up forging this amazing friendship, which is the basis for the rest of the book. You're following both of their life paths and Sarah's attempts to help her out, Hetty's times that she has to step in and help Sarah. Um, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a great way to take in some of the history of that time, but also get a very personalized story. Um, I feel like I cried from beginning to end. I mean, wow. I just felt like the whole time I read it, I was crying. Like nonstop crying. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it came out in like January 2014, and I Mason was born in March 2014. Okay, so I think yeah. there was some emotion packed into it. Yep. But I can't promise that if I read it now, it would, the same reaction sure. would happen. Yeah, because you're just the story, their relationship. They're they're working so hard to abolish slavery, and the things that they go through, and the disappointment Sarah sees from her family, and. What was really interesting to me is that it's this book about freedom and it's just as much about Sarah's freedom as it is Hetty's because in a lot of ways, even though Hetty's the slave, Sarah's almost more bound by family relationships and traditions and, mm -hmm. and issues that she can't escape. It's almost harder for her to forge this path of no, this isn't right in the face of her whole family than it is for Hetty who in her private time is surrounded by other people who also believe that. So. Right. Very interesting way to write that and put that in there. Um, it's also there is a lot about the women's rights movement too because they both were yeah, big part tied of that. Together. Yeah, uh -huh. and so that's very interesting. Kind of the you know origin of some of that. Um, and I think for me, it's just a book about how we choose to use our voice. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not always the loudest. It's not always the most public. It's more about the actions we take every day, how we treat people. Um, what we stand for, what we don't. And it doesn't have to be some big showdown. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times that's what people think. Like if you're a strong voice or you stand up for something or you're um, an advocate for something, you have to be the loudest person in the room or yes. the most visual person in the room. And a lot of times when you really look back in history or you think about it, the people that had the most effect or were the longest lasting were people that just did it quietly in their own way. Mm -hmm. Were just quietly present and said, no, this is not okay. And this is what I'm going to do about it. Yeah. And didn't focus so much on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, this is also a really yeah. book of hope. Yeah. I mean, it tells you that it isn't necessarily... We do all have a responsibility to society, but it isn't necessarily your responsibility to get everyone to think and do everything like you. Yes. It's important to act and do with what's in your control and say, I'm going to do this and know that that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't recognize that, that's when people say, well, it doesn't matter what I do. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. So, yeah. And that yeah. leads to hopelessness. And yeah. so then, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. There are a sort of a lot of parallels to... Mm -hmm. I feel like what's happening right now where yes. there is like a lack of control or a lack of, yes. um, you know, feeling like we have control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that. I mean, about a all host of issues yeah. to say, well, I can't do anything. You know, yeah, that's how I feel, but whatever, I'm not going to do anything about it because what difference does it make? Right. Uh, this one little thing doesn't make a difference. And, you know, we hear that in a bunch of cheesy ways, but the, but the reality is reading something like this, I felt like really hit that in a 
in a really accessible, important note mm-hmm. of, no, there's hope and just taking action and just knowing yourself that I don't stand for that. So that's yeah. why I do this. And one-on-one scenarios can be just as important. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So great book. But yes, very emotional. I, <laughs> so many emotional things that just so much sobbing. And I would lend you my copy, but it is just tear soaked. I yeah, I think I'll get my own. Just That's wet. Fine. Yep, I, still drying out. Five years later, just a mess. Inks like smeared, it's been in a swamp. Just not. It wow, is, it's a disaster. Wow, it yeah. probably has the binding broken too. Oh and yeah, you wouldn't like that. No yeah. way. I want oh yeah, this copy. definitely. Nope. Binding broken and then broken down by tears. Good and, lord, yeah. I don't want to even see this. No, it's yeah, a, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> There's like a podcast museum and we ever made it, that'd be like an artifact. Like, this is how unhinged she is. This book did not make it past her face. Well, remember remember our strip mall of all of our different businesses. Maybe we just have a display of, you know, items like this. This is the book that Erin just snotted all over in her tears. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what we're going to have. I like that. I like that. And right next to it, we could have the picture of your perm. For my own crying purposes, or for everyone to enjoy a for cry. For everyone, I just feel like if someone wants to see another artifact, that's gonna that's a good one. That's gonna yeah. be up on the top of everyone's. Also, list. we're talking about empathy overload. I'm sure many people had bad perms like yes. that, so they're gonna look at it and be like, "Oh dear God, I remember this. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, cry for myself yeah, in yeah. my adolescence." Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Way to way to bring that one back up. Did you? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Thought I'd escaped that one. No. I have not. No. no. <laughs> No. Mm-mm. And for podcat, it would just be like a tiny replica of a basement door. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we could just get a tiny cat that is on like a little loop that walks back and yeah. forth in front of the oh door. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She might even enact. Like if we had even a facsimile oh, of a door, like a drawing yes. of a door, she would just reenact it for anyone. Yeah. You know? Because it's not just you, apparently. She's, you no. know. Yeah. She's, we've we've seen this recently with yeah. some people she's over. She's got murdery yeah. behavior in general. Yep. I think maybe she's given up a little bit on me. Like it's not. She and has. if she wants in this lifetime to murder someone, she feels like she's got to open the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I got to open the range of possibilities, even to people who have taken care of her. Like yeah. some of my, you know, other people that have sat for her on a yes. normal a few occasions. You know, she's like, nope, mm. no, no, no love there. Don't care. You're. Yeah, I can find food on my own, which isn't true. I've seen that that's not true. So I don't know why you're this cocky about yeah. killing humans. It's not. It's the confidence is misplaced. Yeah, let's be very honest. misplaced. Yeah. Very, yeah. very misplaced. Yeah. But like all good overlords, a little bit delusional. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm picturing her as like some long emperor name like a royal name mm. you know because mm-hmm. she's an overlord yes yeah yeah Ooh. okay like we're gonna it. have to come up with all yeah. of her names yeah like the full lineage of, of her the, names yeah, yeah. agreed wow so good huh podcat podcat yep. your overlordiness <laughs> <laughs> she makes me cry on a regular basis yeah podcat does yeah just by you know the withering looks yeah. of disdain she's got she makes me too but that's just because my eyes swell and that's then, true then liquid yeah. comes out to try and save itself <laughs> from the allergy maybe that's why she likes you so much and wants to murder you because she sees she has an effect on you yeah she's like that one is weak mm-hmm. i can get at yeah. her yeah she's like i knew it right when my specific allergens yep. triggered <laughs> you were the one i'm her kryptonite yeah. <laughs> yes i found the perfect specimen <laughs> If only she knew well, how much we talk about her on this I know, podcast. Right? She has no idea. She's she's not, not even in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Thank All right. God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on to our yes. other genre. What's your picks. Pick? Well, I've got a memoir for mm. us, a relatively new one. Mm. Uh, I think it just came out a couple months ago. It's called Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls by Takira Madden. I have not heard of this. Oh, you're gonna like this one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So we start in Florida mm-hmm. with one of Takira's first memories where she's living in an apartment with her mother, waiting for her dad, who is married to someone else. Okay. So some very vivid memories there. And we start seeing moments from her youth where they're just scraping by, she and her mom, trying to survive as the dad's second family. And then it shifts where dad marries mom. And so now suddenly they're very wealthy because he's um okay. very wealthy. 
So she's a girl growing up with all of the pain and trauma that can involve mm-hmm. as, a, as a young girl. But adding to that is the changing money situation, her parents both being drug addicts, oh. um, her mixed race heritage. She's Chinese, Hawaiian, white, and Jewish. And her wow. queer coming of age. There's a lot of things happening wow. here. Yeah. Plus, as the book goes on, there's some deep, dark family secrets that start coming out. Mm. Um, one of which, uh, her uncles, including Steve Madden, shoe emperor <gasps> guy, um, oh, get involved okay. in some illicit activity tied to the guy from the Wolf of Wall Street. Now I yeah. remember. Okay, now mm-hmm. I remember you talking about this. She yes. even has a memory where she writes about it, where she's hearing, um, I forget the terminology, but some of her uncles are making the calls of the, the you know mm-hmm. fake stocks and all that kind of stuff. Like it's all tied wow. in there. to George. Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort. Yeah. I couldn't remember his last yeah. name. Yeah. Um, her mom and dad are also fighting viciously, but they love each other fiercely at the same time. They're tearing themselves up with drugs. Oh. It's a real bad situation. And she discovers there's more family she didn't know about. Ooh. Yeah. So what I really liked about this is is the way that she writes is absolutely beautiful. And she's she's doing each thing. It's almost like little fragmented chapters that are their own kind of things. Not necessarily essays, but almost short pieces of mm-hmm. memoir that could stand on their own, really. But like little kind of vignettes like, yes, that, okay. yeah, that are kind of linked together. But um, then adding in all these tough things that are happening, and she's still very young at this point. What really gets me, though, is a few things. She loves her parents so much, and it, it bleeds through every page of the book. As much as her parents you know, mess up and as mm-hmm. much as they hurt her in many ways, she still loves them so much. And that is what really like <laughs> kind of gets at you, you know? Okay. Um, Plus, there's this long, close-to-the-end chapter that's all about her mother. And she kind of puts herself in her mother's situation and kind of um, uh, goes through her mother's history and throughout starts revealing this pretty painful family secret. Absolutely incredible. By the end of it, I was kind of a wreck. Um, (laughs) So, oh, there's also, when these secrets starts coming out, there's some unexpected meetings between family members that at that point I was just done. I just needed to put it aside for a while. Um, And uh, there's a few final gut punches that are kind of surprising and not necessarily good. So I left the book just thinking, Jesus, I don't. I don't even know where to go from here. But like very, very thankful that I had this experience. It was such an amazing just – it's a portrait of, you know, one specific family, but also a portrait of a young specific girl, but also kind of a universal thing in a lot of ways. You know, just the forces that can tear at families, tear them apart, bring them together, all of that stuff. And like I said, just written so beautifully that, yeah, it's uh, stuck with me. Even after reading it a few months ago, I think about it a lot. Wow. I think you would like it as yeah, well. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. I remember mm-hmm. you talking about it briefly, but yeah. And I had um, last year in September, I went to uh, a conference in New York, the Slice Conference, and I saw her speak. Oh, and I didn't know of her or this book, mm-hmm. but after watching her, I was like, oh, she's really interesting. So I started following her on things, and then when this book came out, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah wow. she's a uh, she's very interesting. It sounds great, mm-hmm. but also like a big fat tear jerker. Yep. Oh. In all the best ways. Yes. Yeah. You need that sometimes. You do. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. Well, uh, my nonfiction pick this week is called uh, Lost Girls, an Unsolved American Mystery Ooh. by Robert Kolker. Um, this was actually published in 2013, and it's uh, written by an investigative reporter who took on the story of a serial killer um, that is at large on Long Island. So it's sometimes referred to as a Long Island killer, and this person is still at large, not arrested or anything. But um, what's interesting about this story is that... You know, we live in a culture where true crime is fascinating. And I, I, for one, it's a huge thing yes. for me. I love it. Yeah. So what's interesting is that this story is not particularly well known because for reasons that we'll get into, but primarily because this involves escorts. It involves the victims were um, working as prostitutes at mm-hmm. the time. And so there was kind of this attitude of like well like you know as right. you can imagine people do oh well they asked for it yep. or this is they put what themselves happens. in this situation yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i think what i love about this book is that it's not necessarily so different in terms of it's a true crime story they're telling you what happened what's different is the way that he chose to structure this book and how it takes you into each girl's life so the first part of the book book one there's a chapter dedicated to each of the women and it's their 
origin story, like where they grew up, what happened to up to the point or whatever point it is that leads them to prostitution. So you get this like incredibly deep look into their life. He did a lot of research, a lot of interviews and you're left with this kind of like, Oh no. And then the second part of the book, each of the chapters is also named for one of the women, but it's their street name. So at first you're not sure whose story you're hearing because the name's different. And then you start to put it together based on how they're reacting to things or, and so then it tells the story of their life in prostitution to the point that they were missing and then assumed dead or, you know, their body was found. So that, right there was amazing yeah gripping and couldn't stop crying like it it is just it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking to read the interviews of their family members that couldn't get anybody to act on anything because you know they lived a life where people didn't really know where they were for days or maybe their family it was months for some of them they were just like well we don't hear from her for long periods of time and it would take a year before someone would say okay this is not right now i now i am concerned and then to go backwards and try to get someone involved at that point was very difficult and so the I really feel like he covered that part so well. And then the ne- second part of book two is he goes into each of the suspects, each of the theories of what's happened because it's not solved, which is also incredibly fascinating. Wow. And there's a lot of stuff that's happened since the writing of this book. One of the victims that he talks about, um, she was the first one found her name's Shannon. And they now think that she was not actually a victim of the Long Island killer, that she was maybe a victim of someone else. But finding her body led to the discovery of all these other bodies. So there's still so many theories. I mean, one of them is that the police chief's involved. Um, there's a very strong theory about that, that the police chief that was in charge at that time, oh my gosh. um, which uh, is backed up by a lot of facts because they, uh, an FBI profiler said this absolutely is someone that has ties to, um, some kind of investigative agency yeah. because they know how to stay a step ahead. They know what they would look for. They p- purposely targeted victims that are generally not, you know, going to be as publicized or anything like that. So is the police chief still the police chief? No, no. Oh. Uh-uh. I, th- I, mean, I think he was. I mean, he didn't get taken out of that position oh, yeah, because yeah, of this yeah. or anything. Yeah. But yeah, I just think retired he's retired. Or, yeah, okay. yeah. Wow. And it, it just and now after this book, there's actually believed to be ten or eleven victims now, and there was five that he wrote about in the book. But I, I just, it's so tough, and it's so thought provoking, and I think that's what was so emotional about it for me, and such a the decision to do the structure that way was yeah. in and of itself before even reading a word was kind of like caught your breath like oh now i understand what you're doing and this is you know you're kind of showing the two lives but you're showing right where they meet yeah and you're then, humanizing yes, these women that yes are often dehumanized yeah. yes mm-hmm. and to the point that you're like well how is someone not listening even though you know logically you could say for some of it it is difficult on the police to get a report of a missing person that the last time anyone saw them was a year and a half ago so mm-hmm. where do you even start or people you know in this particular lifestyle that maybe aren't letting people know where they're going or what, how did, where do they begin? Mm -hmm. You know, there's no trail. There's no appointment book to go back to and say, oh, they saw this person on this day, you know? So you see it from both sides, but it, the effectiveness of making the victims, giving them such an important part and making you feel for them is, was so great. Wow. In terms of a true crime book, it was that part I just thought was amazing. I wish more would be like that because then it feels yeah. like it, it accomplishes a number of things. It's it's really good reading in yes. that you're, you know, yeah. reading these characters. But yeah, it's it's making this not necessarily just something you can scoff at or mm-hmm. or say, oh, too bad for them. And that's something I think that in this genre, in this genre that's happening is that they are kind of having to up their game yeah. a little bit because there have been so many true crime books written that are so beautifully written and that do such a great job with interviews and tying in a narrative that it, it doesn't cut it anymore to write a true mm-hmm. crime book that's just the facts and here's the case because that's nobody wants that. Nobody and wants that. with, you know, serialized television yep. and podcasts and things, we can get that somewhere else. Yes. So if I'm going to read it i want this emotional tie-in i want to feel like this is something different and Mm -hmm. i he really did that well i think and it's it's 
a beautiful tribute to them in a way, mm-hmm. but also it's a gut punch in the fact that this guy, you know, is yeah. still out there and nothing's been done about it. In some cases, they don't have, you know, they're assuming that some of the victims are because they haven't found the body yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times that you just feel for the victims, for the families, for mm-hmm. everyone working it, you know, that is so frustrated by not being able to get any progress. Yeah. So it's interesting what you said that it feels like we're, they're sort of upping the game. And yeah, I, I can tell that just by some of the true crime podcasts that you've recommended or that yes. I've found on my own mm-hmm. because you do get that personal stuff. You hear their voices, you hear like what's happening in a different way. Yeah. I could see that being a huge um, influence on true crime books. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think it's, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting, I think it's worked this, the opposite way too. Like we've talked about for TV and movies, like you mentioned at the top about, you know, the progression of TV being able yes. to be so much longer. I think that TV producers, movie produ- producers have realized that a lot of books make are automatically make great because they just pull all that stuff right over. Yep. And you know, I think that's been an interesting turn of events in the publishing industry. But mm-hmm. yeah. Whew. Yeah, it sounds really good. But Whew. oh, yeah. man, it's a lot of gut punches. I'm not gonna lie. It took me a long time to get through it. Really? Yeah. 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 And I mean, sometimes it does for nonfiction, just because that's usually a book that maybe I read a little bit and read something else, uh-huh. read a little bit. Um, but this one just because yeah. it just feels really raw. It yeah. is interesting that you are so fascinated by true crime and you are extremely empathetic and you have that ability. Do you think that's hard sometimes reconciling yes. the two? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And in both ways, yeah. you know, sometimes they write it so well like the American Kingpin book. I've t- you catch yourself rooting for him and then you're like, okay, wait, wait a second. He's like trading arms. <laughs> like, what am I doing? I've lost my identity. Like you, sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get so caught up in the person or the character because they do such a great job. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. And so this one was definitely that way for me. Mm-hmm. So, and that might be why this is a tearjerker. Maybe for someone else it wouldn't be. I, I don't know. That sounds like it's destined to be a tearjerker yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I did not really cry at books mm-hmm. and i i don't know if that was just because i was i was dead inside or <laughs> if it was <laughs> or if it I was, was literally know. a zombie so until i came back to life I mean, you know for a good portion of my life i okay. probably was pretty dead inside okay. but i don't yeah i don't know if if it is a you know growing older thing or mm-hmm. if it's just you're willing to put yourself into the book a little bit easier because of maybe how someone is writing or something yeah. like that but yeah i think that's true though in general i think that we that's very true that i think back yeah in my i don't know that i cried at books when i yeah. was first i think it is a life experience thing. it is yes you have you more can, experiences yep. to draw on and you go man if i had that experience i yes. would feel devastated yeah which so. is why in some ways you you don't read a lot of kid trauma stuff correct right? yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like maybe later on i mean i get sure. recommended books all the time um there's one in particular that i can that I remember quite a few people recommended to me and I got it from the library and I read the first <laughs> chapter and a kid, child is killed in the first chapter. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. not having it. <laughs> nope. It was way too like descriptive and right there. And I'm like, can't do it. Not going to do wow. it. Yeah. And maybe if I gotten past the first chapter, that wouldn't be the focus, but couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No, couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's like, um, after my brother, Dan and his wife, um, had their daughter within like the first few months, they kept seeing movies in which daughters died. They kept seeing like TV and uh, they're like, what is happening? Cause this yeah. is not where we want to be yeah. in our headspace. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also that like you notice it. So then you just notice True. it everywhere. You know? And also, you know, dead women are often the character motif. In, well, yeah, in that's often a plot stuff. point, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. It yeah. was a good one. Are we ready for pop culture I'm ready. picks? I'm ready. I would well, say like, let's cheer us up, but we're not. <laughs> we're it's a tear not jerker. I'm not crying. Up. You're crying. You so. might be cheered up because yeah. I am picking a song. Oh. Yeah. Um, by David Bowie. What? <laughs> <laughs> How did I know an episode packed with emotion would bring us David Bowie? How did I know? Literally, when I was putting this together, I was counting how long has it been since I mentioned David Bowie. Is this fine? Is this okay? I think it's been five episodes or so. So I'm okay, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, these are your own arbitrary boundaries. <laughs> I'm giving you no boundaries on your David Bowie I'm putting love. them on myself because uh-huh. I don't want to be 
so psycho. Even though I am, I, I want to pretend to not be. Okay. okay. You know? That's helping wanna, you in some way? Yes. Okay. yes. All right. Then I, wanna, I will participate okay. in these <laughs> weird boundaries if that helps you. Yes, it's been five episodes. You can do I it. I can do it. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yes. Well, my song is called Heroes Ooh. by David okay. Bowie. Okay. Um, so this song, like, obviously, I am, you know, head over heels for my friend David Bowie and yeah. all of his music. And a lot of it can bring me a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. But this song in particular does. Okay. Um, he wrote it about uh, kids and lovers in Berlin, um, where he was living at the time. This is in the late 70s. He's living in Berlin with Iggy Pop. And the Berlin Wall is up in Germany. Or in Berlin, excuse me. And the wall was geared, bleh, was guarded fiercely. Um, and it's this giant symbol of division and politics and trying to turn people against each other, oppression, all this kind of stuff. So he just writes a beautiful love song in the midst of this, you know, huge mm-hmm. symbol. Um, the song itself gives me chills every time I hear it. But, but And I'll link to the song. But also there's this uh, one particular live performance of it in Berlin in 2002 that I've watched on numerous occasions. And each time I do, I text you and I'm like, I'm now bawling over David Bowie. This is the one. Yes. That always I, brings I, I thought tears. that this was yep. the song, but I didn't want to out you and be no, like, this no, is the one it. you cry at yeah. all the time. This is the yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's singing the song the audience is getting into it. There's like, you know, the fact that it's in Berlin, the wall is down mm-hmm. now, like everything. And then you can tell he's just getting excited. And at the end, oh. he says something like, I felt that it's beautiful. I'm just a mess afterwards. So the song itself, as I said, wonderful. And it's been used in lots of movies to get an emotion, to get a feeling. One of my favorites is in The Perks of Being a Wallflower, where there's the scene with Emma Watson is in the truck or the Mm -hmm. car, and she hears the song, and she's, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of flying, and it's beautiful. It is. So, yeah. Okay. That's my David Bowie moment. So if you had like the once a week cry thing, we would need, just need to set this up. Yep. And then you could get it out. I could do. And then, yeah. In fact, I kind of tested myself as I was making the notes for this. I'm like, is it true that it happens every time? So I played it again and I watched it. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, it's true. <laughs> you could have just texted me and I've been like, it's true. Don't. Don't do it to yourself. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. But I did. I was like testing myself. Like, where's the chills? There's the chills. Okay. Are the tears coming? Yep. They're they're coming. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) I think part of it, too, is I'm watching him like, oh, my God, he's dead. uh, Yeah. Yeah, All of that. Yeah. There's a lot of of emotion there. I'm so sorry. I'm exhausting you with my Dr. David (laughs) Bowie. (laughs) Jesus. Terrible timing for a yawn. I was like, it's coming. I can't stop it. And this is going to look terrible. Nope. This is it. So you said, you know, there's no limits, but you're telling me by your, you know, bodily cues that you're done with this. Yeah. Yep. There's a limit, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. There's no limit. Mm -hmm. Your love should be boundless. (laughs) It is. Don't worry. Okay, good. And even if I annoy you, I may not annoy the listeners. Exactly. exactly. If I do, and maybe you're not annoying me. Okay. You're not annoying me. Okay. So it's fine. And okay. if you, if if there's a listener that it is, I you, I guess you can write and tell us, but there's nothing's going to change. No, nothing's going to change. I don't change. want you I don't want you to have the expectation that you can write us <laughs> and that something's going to change. <laughs> that Amy's going to change her life. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. happen. And in fact, if you write me about it, I might have to out you on the episode. Oh, yeah, like, probably. listen, yeah, listen, yeah. listen, you don't understand our relationship. Yeah. What you're asking for, if you do that, if you write in, say you want Amy to talk about David Bowie less, you're automatically signing up for a master class of yes, David Bowie I with Amy. Send, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I will talk to you mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. David Robert Jones, a.k.a. David, David Bowie. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You think she's joking. <laughs> I'm not. Let's not test it. I'm not yeah. at all. Let's not test that theory, everyone. So the song is Heroes. <sighs> That's a good pick. It'll bring tears to your eyes. It's a good pick. Mm-hmm. I picked a documentary, okay. and this is kind of hearkening back to the first thing that made me cry, oh. Free Willy. Oh. It's called Blackfish. Oh, no. Yeah. I never saw this because I knew it would put me in a bad place. It's It yep. will put you in a bad place. Okay. So this follows um, Tillicum, the killer whale that was kept in captivity. Activity, and then famously killed several people, uh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Uh, many of his trainers, like trainers that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, focuses a lot on SeaWorld. Um, this was released in 2013. The whale actually died in 2017, um, but the, he was captured in 1983, and they assume he was around two years old at that point. So he basically lived his whole life in captivity, which is essentially a concrete cage. Yeah. And uh, you just 
there is a lot of really, really horrific imagery um, in this documentary. So it is very much a tearjerker. It is very hard to watch, but it is also incredibly important. And to me, it's such a bigger message. Maybe you don't, maybe, you know, killer whales aren't like your pet cause. I get that. But really what we're talking about here is a bigger environmental issue, yep. a bigger issue about nature, how we as the human race treat it, how mm-hmm. we want to preserve it. Um, so I think that there's a much bigger message there that they really dig in and get deep with this particular issue. And in fact, this documentary is credited with SeaWorld changing some of its breeding policies, some of its um, training policies, Mm -hmm. all those things, because they really had to look at it and say, yeah, if we're purporting to supposedly their, you know, mission is to help people appreciate this type of life. And in order to do that, they're turning them into something different. So, uh, yeah, incredibly powerful. It is haunting. Mm-hmm. It is horrible and mm-hmm. beautiful at the same time. So it's tough. I'm not going to lie. You, I cried throughout the whole thing. Pretty much. Think? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Just pretty much straight tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, like I said before, it's the animal thing, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. humans, you can do a lot to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once the animals get involved, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, the message I love, and I love the idea that they, it's the coolest thing about a documentary, right? Because that's the idea is like, oh, we want to change someone's thought yes. process. And it kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier on the one-on-one effect. You know, they put this yes. out, they saw it, they just wanted people to know, but then it had this tremendous ripple where people boycotted SeaWorld, significant attendance difference after this documentary yeah. came out to the point that SeaWorld had to react and do something about wow. it. And that is a credit to this day and age that we can get these types of mediums out there and Mm -hmm. get people on board and have, you know, that's a group of people, all of those individuals deciding not to go had this huge impact. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's, pretty great. It is. It is great. It's terrible and great at the same time. It is. It's rough. God, I kind of want to cry right now. I know. I think about free Willy. I'm thinking about (laughs) Tilly and the whole thing. I can hear the free Willy theme song in my head. And then that's its whole other thing. Cause I watched the Michael Jackson documentary. Oh, and now no. I feel weird oh, about no. liking that song. Yeah. Yeah. So everything just in my head is it. just, there's nowhere to go. That isn't sad. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out of this tear cage. <laughs> the glass case of emotion. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah, I feel like I am in captivity in a cage crying and everyone's watching. That's what it feels like. Mike's outside just watching you like, like oh, oh God, again, throwing Kleenex God, over yeah. the top. Get it together. <laughs> what are we, we having for dinner? dinner? <laughs> when are you coming out of there? <laughs> I ordered a pizza. Then <laughs> for yourselves yeah. while I cry this out. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I think we picked some good tearjerkers. We did. Yeah. I don't Ooh, know. Uh, yeah. Heavy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while for me to recover so after long. this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but guess what? We'll be back next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, check out all the recommendations we've made and lots of other things too. Yeah. You on our website can find some amazing bonus material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can hear us interview each other. You can hear us take quizzes. You can even find a set of rules for road trips sure can. and a playlist, God. which contains David Bowie. Sure does. <laughs> I had to get that in there. You- I would expect nothing less. <laughs> nothing less. It also contains Iggy Pop, if I remember correctly. It Kirk. does, yeah. because I'm also obsessed with him. Yeah. I haven't got to him yet fully, but okay. that'll happen in okay. the future, I as figured, well as Lou I Reed. I mean, there's uh-huh. a whole other area of obsessions we're going to get into. Oh, Don't yeah, yeah. We'll I just wanted deep. to start we'll off just, with Just David. scratching yeah. the surface. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. We've got a long schedule ahead of us. Long. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But after you listen to me talk about David Bowie again, mm-hmm. and you're like, God, I love her talking about David Bowie. Which you know you do. Yes. And I love Aaron talking about all the things that are going to make me cry. Give us a review. Yes. Tell us that. Tell us how amazing it is mm-hmm. that we, you know, we just get you. Yes. We get you and you love us as a result. Yes. Or here's another thing you could do, which mm. we love just as much. Yes. You got a great idea. You're like, hey, you haven't talked about this type of book. Or, hey, I've got a great theme idea. Or, hey, do you know this David Bowie album? Duh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the answer is yes. And he already knows it. <laughs> but if you want to challenge her, that's fine. We'll play along, I guess. But either, whatever. 
whatever, whatever it those is. things are, get them to us. Let us know whether it's you thinking you know more about David Bowie or another thing you oh, want to hear. Yeah, we're going to have a David Bowie off, like a dance off. You don't know what you're Except, getting into. Yeah. Oh, God. Fictional listeners, stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> So you can find us to give us your great idea mm-hmm. or to, you know, tell us what you think about all this stuff on Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, or our website and our email. So simple. Mm-hmm. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.